Podcast One Production. Your morning agenda. Summer edition. Hello, Natasha Belling here. Thanks for your company this Wednesday, the 30th of December. As many of you are enjoying a well-deserved break, we are looking at the top news stories that have set the agenda in 2020 and will certainly still be making news next year. We'll be back with all the breaking news and sport from Monday, the 11th of January. But until then, enjoy your morning agenda's summer edition. It's the great unknown. If you do survive COVID-19, what are the long-term side effects on your health? Coronavirus has only been around for about 12 months. So the research and data about the new virus's lasting impact is limited. But some sufferers are already reporting shocking complications. Some, including children, are experiencing a list of long-term health issues like damage and inflammation to vital organs like the heart and lungs, brain fog and other neurological issues with memory, chronic fatigue and mental health issues including depression and anxiety. Adelaide resident Anna Liptak is just one of thousands struggling with her health after contracting COVID earlier this year. Anna was a fit and healthy mum of two who was a fitness instructor who ran marathons. In March, she was one of the first in Australia to contract COVID from human-to-human transmission. Some nine months later, the 46-year-old is still battling serious side effects. Anna has not been able to return to work full-time and fears she will never live a normal life again. Anna, thanks so much for joining us in the summer edition of Your Morning Agenda. Pleasure, Natasha. Anna, tell us a little bit about your story. You were a 46-year-old fit and healthy person who used to enjoy running marathons. And what happened when you got COVID? Uh, I got COVID, um, one of the first ones in Australia, really. It was really when it wasn't even being talked about in Australia. It was still sort of the individual thing from China and Spain. So I got it in Mar- on March the 1st. Um, and I was diagnosed with the pneumonia COVID, which is the more severe to critical um, part of uh, um, COVID. So 80% are asymptomatic and 20% are the more critical. Um, so unfortunately, I had um, that part of COVID and that was really scary at the time. Um, it was very unknown, um, a lot of anxiety around it. Um, one of my children was also diagnosed with it a couple of days later, so that was really scary. I think the biggest, scariest thing at that stage, Natasha, was that we could have spread it to somebody who could have died. Um, the fear for me um, wasn't that I would die. I, I really believed my body was strong enough to get through it. Um, but the biggest fear for me was that someone else would get it or we would spread it. Um, we were seeing all those awful images of people dying, being welded into their houses in China. Um, so that was really scary. And since then, and I hate to admit it because I am a fitness trainer, Natasha. So I've been training people for 15 years about trusting their bodies and believing their bodies. And um, and being, And I, I really pride myself on the image that I've created and built over these 15 years about being a very fit, healthy and active person. Um, I have run 27 marathons and countless half marathons and many running events. Um, So I really do hate to admit this, but I have struggled all year um, with chronic fatigue and I'm at the stage now that it's it's really affecting me. I spend 
uh, a good part of my day in bed. Anna, this is the concern I think many of us have, is that uh, we were all very frightened when COVID first uh, started to infect many countries and what's unfolding in the US and Europe right now is truly terrifying. But I think Mm -hmm. what is concerning many people is we actually don't know the long-term consequences of COVID right now. It's really only been around this year, but you've seen firsthand that there are long-term consequences. Yeah, I have. And it it is you know, for me, I think part of it is, you know, you wonder if it's psychosomatic, but it's definitely not. I've been to a number of specialists and I guess that that's where I'm quite lucky too. One of my brothers is a surgeon and he's able to refer me to specialists. If I didn't have that, I did go to my normal GP at the start of the year because my ears were ringing after COVID after about six or eight weeks and I couldn't hear properly and I felt like I was losing my hearing. Um, and the GP said, oh, there's nothing there. But when I went to a specialist, they said I was ravaged with inflammation. And I, Unfortunately, two weeks ago, I had a um, broken nose as well, which they found because of this inflammation. So I'm dealing with that too, So, um, which is a good thing. But it's also knocked me back for a six as well, I think, because possibly my body's taking longer to repair. There's some really frightening data, as you mentioned. They have a better insight overseas because of the number of cases that some of the potential uh, side effects, because initially they thought it was uh, especially dangerous uh, for respiratory conditions, but there's growing data that it not only affects um, the lungs, that it can affect the heart. People suffer inflammation. There was even an article a couple of days ago saying there was the possibility that it could actually uh, cause erectile dysfunction. We just don't know some of the issues long-term that this could have on people. Yeah, that's right, Natasha. I, I actually had my heart checked out and there is scarring on my heart, small scarring. They would say it's from COVID, but they can't say it because my heart wasn't checked before. The same is on my lungs. Um, and I've also heard that probably the worst organ is, is perhaps your um, brain. Anna, that is one of the concerns about the possible long-term side effects of coronavirus is they refer to it as brain fog. Have you had any neurological issues? Well, it's interesting that you asked me that, Natasha. My memory has definitely been affected. It wasn't it wasn't the best before, <laughs> um, but it certainly um, is proving to be um, very foggy. And uh, you know, I'm, I am quite forgetful. Um, but it's it's more than that. It's 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 more that I can't think properly. Um, so I guess I'm experiencing that um, in that you know, intertwined with this chronic fatigue is the inability to be able to think. And I understand you contracted COVID through an international conference that was held in Melbourne. And I was reading a story that you actually collapsed in the laundry and you were on your knees thinking, what was going on with you? Yeah, it's interesting because we can't actually pinpoint where I got it from. So I'm assuming I got it from this international documentary conference because there were people from all over the world. So people from America, Spain, Italy. Um, and we were all congregated together in this small little coffee shop. So I can only think that I got it from there. Um, when I came home, that's when I had a really, really bad fever, a really bad cough, a really bad sore throat. And I collapsed on the laundry floor one morning and I sort of got myself up and said to my husband, I don't think something's right here. You know, this is, this is really unusual. Um, it's been it's been an interesting ride from there. You know, I couldn't breathe properly one night. And I said to my husband, I really can't breathe properly. Um, I think I might have to call an ambulance. It actually felt like that to me, that I, I was going to stop. My throat was going to close over. But since then, Natasha, you know, my husband supported me right through, but I said to him the other night, I said, 
is this right? Have I always been like a sick person like this? Like I literally can't do, do very much anymore at the moment. I know it will come back. But have I always been a sick person? And he said, no, never. Never have you been a sick person. You know, I've never missed a day of work. I've, you know, trained, I train 100 people a week um, in, in fitness. So this to me is, is baffling, is, is um, very hard to deal with. So for anyone out there, Anna, that may be thinking, oh, look, it's just the flu, um, we can push through it, we'll be able to get over this, I'm fit and healthy, what would your message be to them? I, I guess my biggest message for someone who thought it was just a flu, one, it might be a flu just for them, but would they like to spread it to someone in their family who might be vulnerable and potentially kill them? Two, um, they might not get it just like a flu, just like me, and they might suffer long-term consequences, which, you know, is very scary. And do they want to really give up their life as they are now to risk that? Anna, we wish you all the best and um, we hope your health returns in 2021 and thanks so much for sharing your story. Thanks, Natasha. Victorian MP Andrew Giles is so concerned about the rising number of sufferers experiencing long-term side effects, he's now calling for more government support. He wants a better long-term strategy that looks into the lasting impacts of COVID and ensuring survivors get the financial and emotional support they need. Thanks so much for joining us, Andrew. Glad to be with you, Tash. So why are you calling for better support of people that are suffering long-term consequences of COVID-19? Well, I'm just concerned that, that too many of us think that COVID ends when someone's discharged from hospital, and that's clearly not the case. There's an increasing body of evidence that suggests for many people they suffer long COVID, which may be one syndrome or perhaps a number of syndromes, but it can be incredibly debilitating. And it's something we just don't know enough about. Um, Dr. Anthony Fauci, who's America's top diseases expert, who we've heard a lot about and a lot from lately, um, told a webinar the other day that the unknown effects of long COVID are uh, major concern right now and, and that's something that I'm very concerned about. And I understand you also are very interested in this because a mate of yours, Ben, he's a long-term sufferer as well. Yeah, and I think it, it's it's important to tell these stories. I mean, Anna's is incredibly affecting and, and for me, understanding that this may affect thousands of people is one thing, but being able to appreciate the personal consequences on an individual is something that will be, in my view, a big spur to action. I think about Ben, who uh, contracted COVID in March, um, on one level was better um, in July, but has got no better since then. And since then has been living um, a really challenging life where he can't exercise, um, doesn't know from one day to the next whether he'll be um, at best just lethargic and tired or at worst unable to get off his back. Uh, and, and understanding the challenge that he faces and his anxiety that he feels he may not get any better than this for six months. Now, the impact on him is enormous, but Something he said to me, Tash, really struck me, and that's that the nature of his work in professional services means he can keep working, he can keep connecting to work, which is great for his um, well-being and also enables him to earn an income. But there are many, many others who may work in construction or in retail who wouldn't be able to do this. And Ben asked me to think about these people, and that's something that I'm very keen to talk about as well. 
Andrew, I immediately think about these people. Anna was very adamant that she would not be able to work in a full-time capacity again. Where does that leave all of these people that can't return to their former jobs? That's a massive issue financially for these people. Well, it's a huge issue for these people. And I think, Kash, it's for our country as well. Um, we, we talk a lot about the recovery and, 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 and I've been talking along with my colleagues about the need to make sure that our recovery doesn't leave anyone behind. And this group of long haulers are a classic group that we can't allow to be left behind, which means we've got to make sure that we um, have an awareness that they are there and believe that they exist and offer support to them. It means we've got to make sure that we conduct research to understand exactly what's going on and when it comes to them being able to support themselves, we need to think about what's required in the workplace as well. Ben, you make an excellent point there referring to Dr Anthony Fauci, the US top infectious diseases expert. Now, he praised Australia in leading the world in what we have done with smashing the COVID-19 curve and how we've offered financial support via the government through JobKeeper and JobSeeker. But what financial support would you like to see for these long haulers? Well, this is this is a complicated question, and um, no one person's circumstances are going to um, be the same as another's. But I think we do need to understand that there will be a significant number of Australians whose capacity to be in the workforce will be affected by this. And if we're talking about changes to our industrial relations system, let's not just talk about. Um, support for businesses. Let's make sure that we get the right support for every worker to be able to continue to go about their work and return to work on on their terms if they are affected by this. Andrew, you mentioned earlier about the long haulers. There's increasingly concerning data coming out from both the US and UK about long-term impacts on children that have suffered COVID-19. Is that something that you're concerned about? Because if, if you contract COVID when you're in your 70s and 80s, that's a different scenario to when you're contracting it when you're seven or eight and you could have long-term organ issues or long-term damage to your heart or lungs. Yeah, well, it is concerning. And I guess I'd make a couple of points. Um, I think the median age from the UK evidence of people affected by long COVID is 45 and that to me at any rate seems relatively young Yes, uh, and the, the condition seems to persist for quite some time and of course as you say when we're talking about children it, it's very very concerning and, and uh, for me that anxiety is exacerbated by the fact that we just don't know enough about this uh, and that really goes to show how critical I think it is that we get the research done so that we understand what is likely to happen and, and of course, what sort of interventions we may be able to um, put in place to support children and younger people who are long haulers. So what would you like to see happen from now, Andrew? Look, I think there's three things for me. The first one is awareness and understanding to to make clear to people who are going through this or or the friends and family of people who are going through this that they're not alone, that there are people on their side who are going to make the case to make sure that they don't get left behind when perhaps, as we hope, uh, 2020 and COVID-19 are forgotten about as a, a daily concern. The second question is to make sure that we focus a research effort on understanding exactly what long COVID is and what can be done about it. The last thing is 
to make sure that these people get the support they need to continue to lead lives that involve economic activity um, and participation in the workplace, as well as support to do the other bits and pieces that make their lives worth living on their terms, as people like Anna and, and my friend Ben have made so clear. Important conversation we need to have in this country. Andrew, thank you very much for joining us. Great to be chatting with you. And don't forget your morning agenda with the latest news headlines is back from Monday the 11th of January. Tomorrow we'll be back with another episode in the summer series. 2020 has certainly been a year that many of us will never forget, but it's also been a time that has reminded many of us about what is truly important. We speak with the founder of Oz Harvest, Ronnie Kahn, about finding your purpose in life and how it can lead to true happiness. I'm Natasha Belling. Thanks for your company. Have a great day. We look forward to seeing you tomorrow.